37 Disney Street, which isn't far from you, three Disney fans have watched a film which they will now review. Welcome to 37 Disney Street, friends. It's time to continue our journey through the Disney classics from 1937 to present day. Here's a baby with eyes of blue straight from heaven right to you. I'm Chris Fletcher. I'm the little engine who could. I'm Lucy Rain. You all ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Hello, children. I'm Hugh Rain. Well, the kids have had a bit too much ale and stumbled upstairs to watch the Pink Elephant Parade. So join us ringside as we talk about classic number four, 1941's Dumbo. Lucy. Fab. Do you want a bit of background? Go. Okay. So this has got much easier origins than the other three we've done so far. It's quite simple. The studio was in serious financial trouble, mainly because Walt had massively overspent on both Pinocchio and Fantasia trying to make them artistically groundbreaking. You sound so aggrieved when you talk I about this. Just, I, can't, I can't bear it. It makes me tense just thinking about <laughs> it. And the fact that there was a war going on in Europe, not in America mm. at the time, but a war going on in Europe meant the overseas market, which made up 45% of their income, um, was just dead in the water, literally, thanks to U-boats. Um, so... Yeah, they were in dire straits, four and a half million dollars in debt. And if you think of that in when today's money, I've just let me just do some quick maths. That's um, two hundred and forty-seven billion dollars. Wow! In that region. Um. So <laughs> bear that in mind when we think about where we are. The. Book of Dumbo, it was a roller book. This is the lowest common denominator of children's books. Is that like cheap colour? It's... <laughs> um, it was it was a novelty, really. It came in a box and, and it was done in one panoramic thing and it rolled and, and you got cartridges for it. It wasn't a seminal publication. It wasn't an important book. It was just something that you could buy saving up tokens from cereal packets. Um, but somehow... Walt Disney came across this little story and he quite liked it. So he stopped Ward Kimball in a parking lot. Ward Kimball was one of his chief animators. And he told him the story. It took him three minutes and he went, so get on with that, will you? And told Ward Kimball to do a treatment of it. Interesting. I heard something different. Oh, did you? Yeah. I heard that um, he wasn't keen on the story. And they started writing bits of the script and leaving it on his desk. Ah, that comes next. Ah. I mean, it, I think originally it was meant to be a short. When he said, oh, uh-huh, just, okay. just get on with that, will you? And presumably the studio's got a lot of ideas in the pipeline at any one time. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of how it got started. Um, from what Ward Kimball did working on it, he decided he would get a couple of writers on. This is what you heard. And yeah. this comes about the best writer's name ever. One of them was Joe Grant. That's boring. But his partner was called Dick Humor. <laughs> I kid you not. So Dick Humor. I've got nothing to say on this subject. <laughs> now you're looking at me with expectation in your eyes. But okay. This is a family show. Yeah, we'll we'll just skin over Richard 
son of Mr. Humour. Skin over him. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and th- this is where they uh, they really wanted to get it made. They were passionate about it, so they needed to convince Walt Disney. So instead of giving him the whole script and the whole treatment, they did it in little sections and got him to a cliffhanger moment and then put to be continued or you won't believe what happens next would be the last line on right. the page. And just this little trick, knowing that he was just a giant child, really, he'd get him running down the stairs to their office and going, what Ed, What happens? What happens if you got the next instalment? And that's kind of really how they hooked him. Um, but it took uh, less than 18 months to be made. It cost less than $800,000. That's made me happy. <laughs> um, it was essentially at the time a really quick fix a really quick fix they got it out quick it did they didn't use the multiplane camera there was no particular special effects the way that had been used there was no water splashing and um, mm-hmm. not in the not in the way that it was in the other yeah, films yeah. that they'd done so they didn't use special effects it was just a film and um, because all the head animators that had gone to the art school were all working on Bambi and spending their lives drawing fawns in a you know in a studio somewhere and <laughs> um, this was really given to the people who'd come up through the silly symphonies all the old animators who were used to doing that and I think and you it can shows tell. yeah yeah this yeah. is adding up yeah mm-hmm. mm. so there you go that's your background. Cool. Well, after last week's departure, we're back to discussing the films in three different sections. So the story, the animation, and the music. So let's start, as always, apart from last week, with the story. I like the way it begins, you know. It's, the title screen with the circus music is really fun. And then you go into the stalks flying over Florida, and, you know, and it says Florida on the actual ground. I like that. And the poetic um, uh, narration over the top of it. Yeah. Um and it's more cartoony, isn't it, than, than Snow White and Pinocchio. It's, mm. got, it's got anthropomorphic trains, like Casey Jr. Yeah. Uh, which is a good ride at Disneyland Paris. It is. Another one of my favourites. And a tribute to the little engine that could in there. As he's going up the hill, he's saying, I think I can, I think I can. I thought I could, I thought I could. A book by Watty Piper. It's because you really care about a little train. Tiny train. Yeah. But can I just say the story is very weirdly laid out. I mean, looking at it by today's standards, um, the whole flying aspect, you would think they would tease it in Act 1, in Act 2 he'd, you know, he'd fail to do it, and in Act 3 there'd be like a triumphant flying. Well, in this, it's kind of, there's no build-up to it. It just, about 15 minutes before the end, he appears in a tree and he can't figure out why, and then... Um, but then it, but then there's no build up to him actually succeeding in doing it. There's no drama because then you see him flying with the crows, mm-hmm. and then two minutes later he's in the circus and he has to fly. And it's like, well, we know he can fly. And his mum's in a golden carriage the, and everything's yeah. going good. The, the, the only drama is that he's lost the feather, but that happens in like in a few seconds. There's, mm. it, it's so oddly paced the mm. narrative, uh, and I think actually in the uh, in the live action remake they've they've dealt with that a bit and. He, like giving it a story. Yeah. <laughs> really, because because it doesn't have one, does it? And he does it, he, he does fly at the beginning, doesn't he? Very early, yeah. yeah. Sneezes or something, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. Shoots up in the air. So, you know, they can spread that out more evenly throughout the films. It's a very odd 
It's an odd narrative. It's structure. It's a complete opposite of what Snow White was. So when we talked about Snow White, I was saying the thing that frustrated me about it was that it had a load of plot and then it sat for half of the film just messing about. In this one, the the, the plot is, that the story is uh, baby's born, it's got big ears, mm-hmm. wakes up in a tree, flies. And, and that yeah. is it. That's, that's pretty much what happens. Well, there's, there's things that happen along the way, but there's no real mm-hmm. story to it. It's, so succinct. One of the reasons it costs so much less is because, <clears throat> particularly Snow White, but Pinocchio as well, had so many sequences that were fully developed and then cut for various reasons yeah, yeah. or redone. In Pinocchio, he wanted to redo whole characters because he wasn't happy with them. And time is money. And all that work had been put in, and so the budget was going up and up and up. In this, partly they put it down to such good writing... Mm, we can talk about that later but they they just didn't they went this is the story this is the script they stuck to it and they knocked it out mm-hmm. so in many ways I I think this is a very successful film despite what we're saying already about the story I absolutely love it but it just it wasn't overly overdeveloped I do like it there's just no sort of emotional <laughs> drama or there is build up there is emotion because there's that whole sequence with with um, with him going yeah. to see his mum. Well, yeah, that's not sure about that. But, I mean, but I mean, there's no sort of. Uh, there's nothing, there's nothing to really get into, is there? Mm. You know, you, you, you could have stretched the flying thing out throughout the story and yeah, then yeah. really invested in that and build up to it and it being this triumphant climax at the end. And it's all a bit flat. Mm. Well, it isn't it? The, the, the thing I found really funny about watching this recently, and I've watched it a lot recently because it's, it's my youngest son's favourite film at the moment. Um, the the things that that strike me about it are when I watched it as a kid, it felt a lot longer to me. I always thought there was a lot more that happened. So when I came to watch it the first time of the last hundred million that I've watched it over the last couple of months, um, I was shocked that firstly to look at the thing and see that it was only eight, uh, 61, 61 minutes, minutes long, mm. and, and and then secondly to th- to realise that actually no, there isn't anything in between the things I remember because the things I remember are the entire film, mm. but it is so memorable and and. A lot of that is down to the story being so simplistic, I think. Yeah, there's no fluff. There's no fluff anywhere. It's like you say, you, you've got everything you need and nothing else. Um, and it's interesting. I don't feel like the story is lacking. I know what you're saying about he only flies the last five minutes and it's not even... Maybe it's teased. not even lacking. It's just oddly pieced together. Yeah. It's a th- The flying isn't what interests you and grabs you. It's this underling... This um, you know, underdog, as it were, and his his journey through, and him being bullied, and he's so vulnerable, and all this kind of thing, and then a solution appears at the end, and that solution almost could have been anything. But you're right, what people remember, flying elephant. Hmm. On but, the but what what it, it's um it's marketing. Freak succeeds against all the odds, isn't it? It's yes. it's, it's one of those. It, it's a Tim Burton tale, which is which is why yeah. when when they said Tim Burton was going to direct the the live action remake, I thought, why the hell are they letting him anywhere near something like this? It's ridiculous. Yeah. But actually, and Helena Bonham Carter playing Mrs. Jumbo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But but in actual fact, it just it it was it's the right fit because it was his, very his classic his his classic his um. Films, things like uh, Beetlejuice and mm. Edward Scissorhands, that's, that's what they are. They're that story. They're the same thing. Yeah. Um, 
I was very pleasantly surprised with it. Yeah. But I think he could only do a remake like that because the original was so thin on the ground yes. that he could have scope to add... To expand and subtract and expand. Yeah. And one of the complaints is that people saying, well, you know, they've had to pad it out with, with stories. So, Good. you know, they've got this father and these kids thing. It's absolutely fine. It works really well. It's not, it's not a perfect film, but I found it really enjoyable. Mostly mm. because I went into the... This is the live-action remake again. Went into that just thinking... I bet this is going to be awful. And yeah, it was so did I. and it was really nice. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. It, it wasn't too Tim Burton. <laughs> it wasn't too. And yet it was. He, yes, it was. I know he reigned in his excesses. He did. Yes. It, it was classic Tim Burton for yes. me. That, yes, that's what I would say. And I know we're not reviewing that right now, but I think no. it, it's difficult to talk about the the Disney classic and not touch on Dumbo when it's been out the cinema for a month and and it's so current. Well, but, I, yeah. shall I tell you something about the Disney classic? It's the only protagonist who doesn't speak. Ah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something else. For Please. a long, 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 long time, it was the only classic set in America in present day, as present day was when it was released. Oh, yeah. Um, they're almost all foreign, overseas, yeah. exotic, and almost all are and are in a fantasy time yeah yeah I think the next one would have been Oliver and Company in the 80s oh shudder I know <laughs> looking forward to that one our dark future it's also <laughs> it, it's uh, Winnie the Pooh's first film as well isn't it it is Sterling Holloway bless him and oh right yes and playing the stock playing yes. the stock yeah. yeah I love his voice yes I do there's, a, there's also another Disney short about a penguin who he doesn't like the cold, so he goes to find a tropical island and he sets out. That's part of uh, The Three Caballeros. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But we'll come on to that. We will. But he's the voice in that. He's the narrator, isn't he? I yes, he is. Yeah, his yeah. voice is so warm and familiar. I, I love when he sings a happy birthday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All the other babies get dropped out of the sky. Yeah. And that's it. And the heavy one doesn't. <laughs> no, but how come he gets the song? Because you know, they're doing it as if it's protocol and he gets his little thing out of his pocket and it's like, right, I've got to do this and I, he's the only one who gets a birthday. I actually know the answer to this. Oh. Yeah, um, so... There's the, an answer? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Is the answer, because it's a film, dummy? <laughs> no, 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 no. This, this is true. So in the intro, that's just representative of what of what stalks do, but it isn't real. Whereas when Mrs. Jumbo has her delivery, that's showing what it's really like. Oh, that, that's oh. Because if you think about it, when they're flying down and doing all that dropping, they're dropping on... on um, maps that have the names of the places all written on them right. it's not real whereas the other mm. bit is real but you're right I do like the way he sings happy birthday and then gets caught yeah. by the hook on and he also goes <laughs> pull out a happy birthday junior <laughs> a happy <Jumbo> junior <laughs> another voice fact the voice of Mrs. Jumbo was oh no not Mrs. Jumbo the other the bitchy the, elephant yeah. the bitchy elephant um, was voiced by the fairy godmother who also played the queen of hearts and Flora yeah is she the one um I'm skipping ahead to favourite bits now, but there's a bit where Mrs. Jumbo whacks one of the busybodies with her trunk mm. and she goes, <gasps> that's one of my favourite bits. Yeah, I think it will be that one, yeah. I like when they're doing the elephant pyramid and one of them goes, gained a little bit of weight, haven't we, dearie? <laughs> oh, they're great characters. Those fishwives, basically, aren't they? They're horrible. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really horrible. Oh, I know, they're horrible. But But... I actually, the thing that I like the least is that Dumbo gets all his, his fame and fortune 
and he uses that to to wreak revenge by firing peanuts at them. I just for me, I, I don't think revenge is the answer. I think he should have been the bigger man, elephant. <laughs> yeah. I'd have got revenge. Turn the other cheek. No. It's what they deserve. To, while we're on story, should we talk about the crows? Yeah, yeah another controversy, Disney. Well, a potential controversy, yeah. Potential. Hmm. It, there's two There's two takes on this. Number one is, again, you've got a racial stereotype. Mm-hmm. And they're not all played by black actors. No. Now, the thing is, I... We have to claim a little bit of distance from this because this isn't just a racial stereotype, it's a social stereotype. And this is South American, it's Southern United States, uh, black community, that as British people, we're just not as familiar or sensitive to, I don't think. So we might not feel as as emotionally outraged as other demographics would in America. Mm -hmm. But... I don't think there's a problem with this. I think that the I think they are some of the most positive characters in a film of awful people. Um, I think that they are their culture is treated as their culture. They got it wasn't the Nicholas brothers; it was those other dancing brothers. But they got some African American dancers in to do films for the the crows when they were dancing. They got an African American choir in, all except the lead one, and um, and sort of the patter and the talk was based on Cab Calloway and the the banter that he had with his band. So it's treating their culture with great respect and They're they're some of the only positive characters in the whole film. Yeah, they they are. The the problem is when you start to defend it, you feel like... Yeah. I know racism's fine, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we're allowed to have an opinion on it at least. And, you know... Yeah. uh, It's... To me, it does seem... It seems okay to me. Yeah. Okay to me. I think the worst thing is... a white 38-year-old man. Yeah. (laughs) British. (laughs) White 38-year-old man. I think the worst thing is the leader is called Jim Crow, which, as I believe it, was... um, Is is it the Jim Crow laws? Were the laws that created segregation in the South? You see, I don't know anything about it. No, I don't know. I I think that was... Wasn't it after, like, a band leader or something? Jim Crow. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Talk amongst yourselves. And I won't look it up. <laughs> Listeners, you can look it up. I think that in itself, calling him Jim Crow was a, a bit of a, mm. almost an in-joke, but a bit of a racial slur. Interesting. I okay. think. Can I tell you an interesting fact about Timothy Q. Mouse? Oh, please do. Which is the lovely uh, sort of Jimmy Cricket almost character for Dumbo. Um, did you know he was um, originally going to be played by Mickey Mouse? No. Did you know that? No. Do you know why? Why? Because I just made it up. Oh, but Huey. wouldn't that have been interesting? Because I was watching it and I was it thinking... Would have been the crossover. I was thinking, there's a mouse. Why not Mickey Mouse? I it think, could have been I, I a think, vehicle. I think Mickey Mouse could have fit quite nice into that role. I love Timothy Q. Mouse and I'm glad it's not Mickey Mouse, but wouldn't it have been interesting if it was Mickey Mouse? In in the... And I don't think we should stick too closely to the eight-page... Um, book that, that had like four words on a page or something. It wasn't even pages, it was a roll. Yeah, it, it was, uh, I think the sidekick thing was like a bird or something. Oh yeah, it was a sparrow. Sparrow, yeah. that's right. But but they decided to change it for a mouse because it's a bit of an in-joke because elephants and mice that, yeah. that like each other. Are the he does scare the, uh, the busybody elephants yeah, the elephant, and so, yeah, doesn't yeah. he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, I, th- I think if it had been Mickey Mouse that would have been a step too far. You say that, but if we'd... If we'd 
if that's all we'd ever known, we wouldn't go, well, it's a bit weird having him in there, isn't it? Apart from the fact that it's the first time we would have seen him the size of a mouse. When he's always like just a small man, isn't he's he? He's four feet tall, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Uh-huh. <laughs> should we move on to animation then? Yeah. Hmm. Um, watercolor backgrounds. This mm. is this is a decision, um, and I absolutely love it. Absolutely, I love the look of this film, and it's so different to. Well, the lavishness of Snow White and Pinocchio and the detail and the paintings in the background, these are really quite understated and simple, but it's those those bright colours I like, the cheerful, sunny colours. There is a cheaper look to it than its predecessors. Mm. I like what you were saying earlier about, you know, the others working on Bambi. That makes sense now because yeah. I, I had written down in my notes that the, the, the animal studies aren't up to the standard of Snow White or Bambi. Yeah. Well, that makes sense now because they weren't, you know, as um, heavily involved in getting that right. But is this um, the primark of the uh, that catalogue? But some, you know, if if you sort of go into that <laughs> knowing that it's sort of a, a bit cheaper and a bit, you know, less craftsmanship had gone into it, you can kind of turn off that need in your mind and just enjoy it for what it is. But um, also, representations of humans are found inconsistent because sometimes they're faceless and sometimes they're not. Well, again, that, yeah, the that was scene. a racial decision at the beginning. You know, they've got the, the people erecting I know, the tents. But there's a, That's... There are some other instances where... Yeah, when they're loading the, when they're loading the, where, uh, where you can't see the, the train right at yeah, the start, but they, there's no faces at all. They're just, they're yeah. just blank. But when you zoom in, I, I, always, I just assumed that it was to do with distance and size, mm. that it was easier to, to, like, to, to draw them when they're closer up. So they're I, just left I just small. presume that, I mean, these... These people, you don't perceive them. The people who do the work, that you know, the grunt work, the stuff that's going on around you. You don't, don't need to know they are. You yeah. don't perceive them. Yeah. Obviously, the main characters, you remember their faces in graphic detail. That's an important person. Well, how many others? I get all that, but there's just some slight inconsistencies, and it's not like it's like they just haven't quite made up their mind yeah. which direction they're going to go in on it, and you know, there's a bit of a crossover. One of the th- I have a bugbear in this, which is not quite the same as my Fantasia bugbear, but fairly similar. It, it's a cut issue and it really really annoys me now because I've watched it so many times Casey Jr. is about to set off and the whole thing goes that the train goes back the shudder goes to the back yeah. and the back of the train shunts it forward and it gets back to it goes right to the front to Casey Jr. Casey Jr. goes whoop whoop the things start going and it cuts to the next scene when the train goes off and all the animation of the train's gone the, right. the train isn't isn't a character anymore. It's just it's just oh. the train moving along, mm-hmm. and and it's such an abrupt cut. If it had just been a slow into it, then it wouldn't have mattered. But the, it's just abrupt. It's there's horrible. A, there's abrupt cuts in the audio as well. At least on two occasions, uh, the audio is very strange. There's a bit where um, Dumbo's first going to jump on top of the pyramid of pachyderms, mm. and um, the audience makes a noise, and it suddenly stops, and then there's a change, maybe for jeering or something, and it's so badly done. Yeah, I think it sticks out like it sticks out a mile. There's there's a couple of instances of those, and like when Timothy's in the barrel and it's all echoey, and then he comes up to the top, and it, you know, there's no transition. It just cuts to not echoey anymore, and it's it just seems very slapdash. It must be deliberate cuts of something that that possibly was there originally, or something that they're taken out. I I don't know. I've not seen anything to say there were bits taken out, but those bits to me, they they feel like there was something there, and the the just, just chopped it out because mm. it's too abrupt for it to be yeah. how it was intended you to be. It doesn't seem right. No, no. Um, 
but like then you've got Dumbo and and what a character that is. Exactly, you know? that's I was going to come on to the to, yeah because that's a positive. The, Without a doubt, he's, he's the there's so much focus on his animation. He's, he's he's brilliant, and you forget actually you think of him as like a silly character, but well I well I do, but every time I watch it, I forget how sweet he is and how cute he is mm. and really well animated. There's a bit where he's going around in the uh, little bathtub bucket, and you can see <laughs> yeah. you can see his skin moving across his spine. And it's really well done. And the, the bit in, ba- in Baby Mine when mm. she picks him up in, his, in a trunk and she's swinging him, that's just beautiful. It's, it's so lovely. It, Vladimir Teitler, who um, animated him, he he had a two-year-old son at the time and he, he spent a lot of time following his son around the house and sketching him in order to get animated um, mannerisms. And you can really tell, mm. as we're all parents ourselves and those tiny little mannerisms that they get just at that age it, and it's you little things like through. like him tripping over his ears and stuff and yeah the, 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 those little like awkward things again like little kids who just fall over for nothing and stuff that yeah he's he's absolutely gorgeous he's one of my favorite characters yeah. on the screen i think um mm. and then the other thing that i i love is is the uh pink elephants on parade I, I, like it, it's it's trippy it breaks it up nicely as well yeah you yeah. just get to that point in it where it's just, it's just a nice interlude. Mel Blanc's uh, in that. Is he? Yeah, Mel Blanc of Bugs Bunny fame. He's, I think. Who, who did the voice of? Uh, I think he performs of the, Dopey, and then and then was oh, cut right. from it. Oh yeah, yeah he was yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, he uh, apparently he performs that song. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I did not know that. I didn't know that. Interesting. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's according to uh, IMDb. It's, yeah. I feel like Pink Elephants on Parade is. We've just come off the last episode was talking about Fantasia. It's right back there with the interpreting, interpreting the music, and when it sort of goes to a little Arabian sounds and all these little changes, um, it's, it's beautiful. It's just free, free flow, isn't it's it? The, it's that thing that 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 they obviously was a conscious effort to try and do this in in other films as well. So you look at mm. Bedknobs and Broomsticks and Portobello Road, where they basically go, right, we need to show this is multicultural, so let's have every single culture we can possibly think of have yeah. a dance in this next 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 yeah, I like it a lot. I was going to say, the um, the drunk animation is excellent. <laughs> the way they move is, 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 uh, is spot on. Um, and they do a very convincing hangover the next day as well. <laughs> when Timothy Q. Mouse is walking the up by that The only with a hangover. Yeah, and it's almost like he's got stubble and red eyes and he's just, he looks terrible and you really feel... It's, they've got very drunk feel it. off a very diluted bottle yeah. of champagne. Half a bottle of yeah. champagne. <laughs> or beer, as Bonnie called it. He drunk some beer. Because all the, uh, the circus clowns went to complain to Walt Disney and go on strike it. Oh yeah, well th- that's another thing that's affected the animate the quality of the animation. Perhaps is that they had the famous animators strike right in the middle of production or at the end of production. I think I think they finished rough animation and then um, Art Babbitt got fired and Vladimir Teitler, who did um, Dumbo, walked out and there was a big old stink. In fact, the the entire staff basically um, picketed. Three, he lost 300 animators. They went to ask the big boss for a raise. Mm. Yeah. So, right. Just like the clowns. Yeah, well, yeah. Apparently that was snuck in. Yeah, uh, he, put in as he a... wrote that during that time. Because some people, of course, <laughs> brought the picket line. And while they were all outside picketing, they were working on this extra scene. 
<laughs> That's true. It's one tiny bit that annoys me about that, and it's on animation, is the fact that they have all these silhouettes of these clowns, and then they go, yeah, well, I've got to see the bass and get a raise, and then they walk past, and then there's an open flap. And you expect to see, as the silhouettes move past, a bit of the actual clown. But it's still a silhouette, even though you can see through the flap. Yeah, it's very telling, that, isn't it? That annoys yeah. me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I've not been that annoyed since there was no shadow underneath uh, Prince Hans and Anna in uh, Love is an Open Door when they're dancing against the uh, the sail. You just killed that film for me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. There's a bit where they're, you... they're not grounded and it looks wrong. <laughs> you guys are pointing out some really <laughs> nitpicky like, things. Stop yeah. being so critical. Oh, no, but the thing is that when I hear, I I don't see stuff like this. But then when other people point them out, I go, oh yeah, it's all I can see. Yeah, all sorry I about can that. See now. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I see. Yeah, more than anything. I, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. I thought it was lovely. It is a lovely film. I do, I do like it. Um, it's charming. The, it's a very charming. The film. animation is lucky. Because of the simplicity of the film, yes. it it lends itself to that simplicity. I think so. It fit it fits because of that. I think that's part of. And anything its charm. that can call itself a cartoon in the purest sense can get away with murder. Mm-hmm. Really, more so. You couldn't call Snow White a cartoon, not truthfully. No. Um. So you can get away with a lot in that respect. Tell me about music then. I mean, I I want to go straight back to Pink Elephants again because I, I don't think we maybe gave that time because I love that sequence. I've so got much. one note for it and it just says Pink Elephants is excellent. Oh, it's amazing. It's a piece of music. <laughs> and the lyrics. It's brilliant. Technicolored pachyderms. It's fantastic. I yeah, can just stand that, the sight of worms. That fanfare. Look at microscopic germs. <laughs> Look out. I like that it's... it's Syncopatic, whatever it is, at times as well. That that it doesn't come in when you expect it to. No, it doesn't. It doesn't fit your eight bar phrasing and whatnot. It it's a bit all over the place, but I love that. It really. Imagine if you'd banged that out in a morning. I just written this. Brilliant. And and can I just say the nod to that in the new film as well is. Is pretty special. Yes. Oh man. Oh, I, Lucy man, um, uh, had to take Bonnie to the toilet. Yeah. And I was willing them to come back because that bit started. I started. And, and I thought, it. how are they going to do this bit? And it's actually a good way of doing it. It's, it's great. And the best. And the thing is, what annoyed me was Bonnie was catchy. She liked it, but I think if she'd have seen the close-up of Dumbo watching them in the new one, where because he's just his his eyes are open and he's nodding yeah, like this. Yeah. And it's really funny, and I think Bonnie would have loved to have seen that, and and she would have remembered it. And when they came yeah. back, I said, "You've just missed the best bit." It, it's oh, lovely yeah. as a parent as well to watch that because it, it's like watching your kid see something for the first time. Yeah. I, think. I think there's a lot of that in that I film. Just, I just know she would have looked because there's a real close up on him, and he looks so intent, and she she would have really like identified with it. I, I know this is discussion for another time, but um, one of the things that's annoyed me constantly about. Um, the live action remakes and also the uh, the CGI characters in things like Rogue One is that they can look as real as you want, 
but that if you look in their eyes, they're dead behind the eyes. Yes. Mm. Dumbo wasn't. No. What, whatever they've done to fix mm. that, I, I don't know how they've managed that, but like the beast in, in Beauty and the Beast, it, it yeah. looks fantastic when you look at it properly. It's not real, it's not there. I, I think I'm really sensitive to that because I thought in particular, like you say, uh, Moff Tarkin in Rogue One, it looks very terrible to me. I mean, obviously it's not, it's, it's brilliant, but at the same time, there's just enough of it that looks weird and wonky where you go, Because he's oh, dead behind the eyes. They should, they should have lit him more artistically so you didn't see that yeah. much of him. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah. But anyway. Music. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, personally, I, I think the music's great because for me, it's got some of the best Disney songs ever in there. Um, yeah. Baby Mine is just a fantastic song. Like, it's probably my favourite. It's, do you know, if you say to so many sort of people our age who aren't massive Disney fans, oh, Dumbo, do you like it? They'll go, oh, that bit where she cradles makes me cry. They go straight to that bit. They might not even be able to hum the song necessarily, but you need that song there. And I think it's probably the first time, you know, on the fourth film now where the music has made you cry, has, has done the job. Yeah, I think that's true. What it's about beautiful. Uh, When I See an Elephant Fly? They are fab lyrics. Amazing lyrics. Yeah, another great song. Fun song. That's the one that won the Oscar, wasn't it? It won an Oscar for best song. I I love the, the Stork song at the start. That yeah. that close harmony. It's just, it's beautiful. It's mm. so good. I Yeah, the, there's not a lot I don't like. And not only that, I like the incidental music that, that yes, runs throughout it as yeah, well. Yeah. It, it, it similar to, to what Snow White did I guess in a lot of respects um, obviously again cutting corners to a certain extent so the animation probably doesn't fit with it quite as well as it does with Snow White but but there's music constantly and it's always doing something and mm. like a circus whistles and yeah well fun. the the Casey Jr. song that comes back several times Casey that's Jr. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant but it, yeah. it's a sticker it'll stick in your head all day and like I say, that just reminds me of Disney Holidays. Yeah. That one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, love it. Absolutely love it. And it won an Oscar for Best Score and Best Song. There you go. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. favourite bits or likes? Things like that. Oh, there's a lot to like. I like Edward Brophy as Timothy Q. Mouse. He's fantastic. He really gives it some yeast. He does. He's a he's a good performer, and I like it when he moistens uh, his brush using Dumbo's tear, <laughs> a single tear, and he's 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 just kind of he's trying to keep it light hearted as he's talking to him. You know, Dumbo's crying, but he's just trying to get on with business, and he uses his tear and then rubs it on the soap and then uses it to wash him. <laughs> it's great. Other than Casey Junior, which I've already mentioned, because I love that bit, I like the crow's dance routine. It's really, it's just pleasant to watch. I want to join in. I want to bop along. There's, there's too much for me. Um, it it starts for me with um, every single one of those babies being unwrapped and the oh. parent cuddling into them. I just, I love that whole sequence. Yeah. I love, I love everything up to that abrupt cut of Casey Jr. as he's about to set off. I love Baby Mine, that whole sequence. Um, that, I love the Pink Elephants, the whole sequence of that. If there's a bit that I dislike... It's it's actually the way that, and I probably should have said this before, but the way that Dumbo's animated when he's a plane, when he's flying, and his ears are out, like stiff. stiff out and stuff. Mm. It, it, 
it just yeah it doesn't quite work for me but it's just I, I like all of it i even like like the 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 very silly symphonies um clowns in the in the fire engine and stuff and there's something the all kind of works there's something unnerving about those but then it should be like that, though, the, shouldn't the, it? They're kind of horrible. Oh, There's a reason no. people hate clowns. I used to have. I mean, a, I'm, I'm not. I'm, a, go on. So I used to have a plush of those clowns, mm. and it, it was literally like a triangle with a nose and then like a plastic hat yeah. on the top. I loved it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not one of these clown phobia things. In, in, in fact, I think there's a bit of a bandwagon, and I don't believe that that many people are actually scared of clowns. Mm. I think that people just say they are because they think they're supposed to. You're probably but right. on that, there's something about these clowns. It's because they've got like, just like holes for eyes and they just don't, it doesn't seem like there's anyone human inside them. Even, yeah. though, even though you do see them later in silhouette in the tent, talking and drinking. But when they're actually dressed as clowns, there's something te- nightmarish about them. Yeah. Hmm. The interesting thing about um, a comparison of quality for me is if you look at Pinocchio and... The I can't remember his name. The 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 friend he makes. Lampwick. The, yeah, Lampwick, mm. and the character that's very like him in Dumbo. Who? who oh yeah, that goofy, that goofy yeah. kid. He's like, hey, look at his ears. Look at his ears. Yeah, but he's got big ears himself. Because in my head, when I watched Pinocchio the other week, I was thinking, it's the same character. But when yeah. you watch it, they're not at all. And yet, there's definitely an attempt to make the style similar that just kind of falls a bit. Mm. Flat. There's that sort of 1940s. Um, Goofy kid, yeah, yeah, archetype, isn't there? Yeah, I think he's just missing a few freckles and he'd be complete, wouldn't he? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, do we want to look at scoring then? Yeah, sure. You, scoring on this, right? Mm. I think I've scored it lower than Fantasia, yet I prefer it. Um, I, I would say the same. I, I, this, this is, I, in fact, I probably said this to you before. I think this is my favorite Disney film. Mm. I think this is my absolute favorite. But when I look through and try and score it, and and try and be impartial about it, it's very difficult to score well, that's certain the, parts of it. That's the thing. Like isn't it? High, high. Section by section, you can you can separate something out, and it can rate lower. But as a as an overall piece, I do prefer it. It's weird, isn't it? But I, I guess Walt won't be too unhappy about this, and you'll probably be quite happy as well because he did make profit out of this, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's when something is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm. I think that's that's what we're all that's saying. That's a more uh, elo- eloquent way of putting it. Yeah. But that's that. It, it comes down to the way in which we've decided to score mm. the films as we go through, and we haven't actually left anywhere for personal opinion apart from with the kids. Mm. That theirs is based on their viewing and how they how Good much they enjoy it. Whereas for us, it's more about, particularly with me and Hugh, I think, where uh, we throw a very critical eye on these things yeah. at times. Well, speaking, uh, of, speaking of kids, should we, should we hear what they've got to say about it? What, before us? Why not? Yeah, why not? Let's mix it up. Oh, I'm not sure I can cope with this. She thinks she doesn't get a baby, but she does. The stop is the baby. One night he, he's helped the circus he lived at set up and at that circus there was a big parade and the next day Dumbo's mummy was caught and she was put in a mad elephant thing. The clowns drink some beer and they went to the circus 
and there was a bucket full of water and beer went in there. He eats the beer and then he looks at some bubbles and the bubbles turn into um, elephants and creatures. At Dumbabla, a great big bubble and it turned into an elephant and then was a, there was a whole elephant, like bubble bit. He thinks he can't fly, but he can. They landed up in a tree and Dumbo flied all the way back to the circus and then his mummy got out and then he flied all the way back to his mum. The end. My favourite bit was um, the bit where he thinks he can't do it again but when he flies, he goes down sideways and then flies across low. My favourite bit was when Dumbo flied. My favourite character is Dumbo because he looks so cute. My favourite songs were Casey Doolan's Coming Down the Track, Coming Down the Track and also You've never seen an elephant fly. Have you ever seen an elephant fly? That one. My favourite song is the one about the beer one. I like Casey Junior too. Casey Junior is on the track. Casey Junior is on the track. I would give Dumba a five out of five. I would give it two out of five. Because it was it was only the bits with the elephants that I liked. I went on the Casey Junior ride at Disneyland Paris and I really liked it. Did you like it, Bonnie? Yeah, um, it's because um, just the colours remind me of the rainbows. Lucas, that's another Dumbo ride. Where you go in the air, well, there's the mouse on top of the Dumbo ride and it spins round and it's really good. So let's have yeah, let's do the story. Well, it's thin. It's thin but it works. Um there's nothing else needed, there's nothing needs taking away or adding in, so I'm gonna give it an eight. I give it a six for the reasons I outlined earlier about it being oddly laid out and uh, kind of a missed opportunity. If we're judging it by today's standards, which I guess I am, which may, might be unfair, but it's a six. And I've given it a seven. I think it's uh, it's lacking. Nothing really happens in it. Um, it's the exact opposite for me of what Snow White was, um, as I said earlier. Um, and it's a short story that was that they've tried to expand in some kind of way. It started out as a short, as you said before, and that, that's what it is. There's nothing to it. Animation. I've given it a seven, even though it looks cheaper, and they don't, there's, a, there's no, none of the innovation of the previous ones or the depth. Um, I, you know, it's still nice to watch, and it's cartoony and fun and lively. So seven from me. Yeah, seven from me as well. Um, that that Casey Junior bit just really frustrates me and it's, it gets me down. Um, and the, the bits that stick out for me that that I struggle with are things like when they're loading Casey Junior up and and like you said earlier, the faces aren't there mm. and it just it feels just wrong. There's bits that are clunky and 
like mm. just not done to the standard that we've we've grown accustomed to in the first three films. Um, that being said, there's Dumbo. There's, and it's, I'm going to echo the seven. I even thought of putting it lower, but I mean, like we just said, we do want some emotional response to it, and I really like it. I like the look of it. Um, for on a personal level, but if I'm getting critical about it, it's there's quite uh, quite a few holes mm-hmm. here and there. So I'm going to go seven as well. Talk about music. <clears throat> music, again, another seven. I think there's some killer songs in there, um, but there's not as many songs, and they're not necessarily as iconic as some of the Disney songs that have lasted. I give it an eight because, uh, yeah, there's not that much, but, well, it doesn't feel like there is, but actually when you look at the soundtrack, it seems to be covered in music. But, um, <laughs> I don't want to say any of it's bad or anything. Well, there's, there's some great tracks in there. And Pink Elephants on Parade brings it up to an eight for me. Well, I'm handing out my first ten. Um, and part of this has to be because I didn't notice these abrupt cuts that he was talking about. But for me, it's... It, it might not be a continual score like Snow White, but it's not far off being that. It's beautifully orchestrated. The um, the harmonising in, in things like the Elephant Fly and, and the Stork song at the beginning is superb. Uh, Baby Mind's one of the best Disney songs that there is. Um, and, and then you've got Pink Elephants and Casey Jr. in there just to, to add to it. So I'm going to a big fat 10. Wow. Yeah, high praise. Would you like to know what the critics said? Yeah, go on then. Um, so IMDb, <laughs> IMDb, we've got a seven point three score. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes again, very high critic score is ninety eight percent. What do they know though? And um, a fairly lukewarm audience score of seventy. Then we've got it seventy four. I think so. Yeah, I've got seventy four. That no, that's what I've got as well. Interesting. We're very close again to. To, to what the people audience, say. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised the critics so far across the first four have been very, very high. Mm. But doesn't the word critic in, imply that they'll critique it? And I, I mean, these these will be 21st century critics looking at it with film historians' eyes, I presume. Yeah, and, and I guess some of the reviews probably are more current and some of them will have been at the time as well, won't they, depending on mm. releases and stuff. Mm. Interesting. So we have the rankings from the first four films, um, rankings according to uh, 37 Disney Street. And in fourth place, we have Dumbo with 74. Quite sad to say that, actually, because I do like it. Yeah, me too. Um, in third place, we have Fantasia uh, with 80. In second place is Pinocchio with 81, and our current favourite is Snow White with 87. So they're literally getting worse as yeah. they're making them. <laughs> be interesting to see whether Bambi uh, stops that trend. Mm. Mm. What about the cry factor? Ooh. You would think with this that, you know, especially being rocked by his mother and watching it with my daughter, who at that moment says, Oh, everybody else has got their children, but she doesn't. You'd think that would have mean bits, but you know what? I was kind of numb to it. Even as a parent, I didn't find it hard to watch. So it's a low cry factor for me. I'm only going to give it a a generous two tears out of five. 
Well, it's time for us to let the magic feather go and leap headlong into the end of the show. So, in the words of Jim Crow, so long, glamour boy! See you later! Good night, children. You have been listening to a 37 Disney Street podcast with Chris Fletcher, Lucy Rain, Hugh Rain, and of course the kids Lucas and Bonnie. You can follow us on Twitter at 37 Disney Street, find us on Facebook, or visit our website 37disneystreet.co.uk. Join us again in two weeks' time when we'll be taking a stroll through the woods with classic number five, Bambi. Speak to you then. Uh, I saw a woman on Facebook complaining about Dumbo um, because she was saying a baby elephant having blue eyes was ridiculous. So I replied to her and I said, um, but the fact that he's got giant ears I can fly, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs>